Five minutes till service, guys. Grab a seat, grab a friend, sit down, and let's do this.
tonight everybody i said how we doing tonight everybody there we go there we go what's up everyone my name is isaiah my name's liv and we got the service host for tonight we're gonna start get started off with some announcements you want to start us off olivia hey if you don't already follow us on social media make sure to follow us on instagram and tiktok at bridge yth underscore and turn off y'all's airdrops thanks also, guys, if you are only coming out on Wednesday nights, don't forget about Sunday mornings, too. We got Connect Groups this Sunday. It starts at 11.30 a.m. We start off in the main service for worship, and right after we come in here, have a quick recap and get straight to Connect Groups. It's an awesome time, so be sure to show up. Bro, who is excited for summer camp? Let's yeah. go. Hey, summer camp 2023 is right around the corner. It's going to be July 17th through July 20th. So you want to sign up. You don't want to miss out. Spots are going crazy, so if you haven't signed up, make sure to sign up. It's going to be a great week. It goes really quick, so be sure to do it ASAP, even tonight if you can. Next up, y'all, you guys know what this Sunday is? Dad's I hope day. you guys know because it's Father's Day. Woo! So for all your dads, we're going to have a super special uh, service planned this Sunday. Uh, one of those things is including a whole golf simulator. So if your dad plays golf, be He'll sure to bring crazy, him. Bro. He'll love it. And it's going to be super awesome. We have a bunch of other stuff in involved as well. So be sure to come up this Sunday for service. And we have our Bridge Kids Camp this summer that we are so stoked about. So, hey, if you want to serve and you haven't signed up already, make sure to email Amber or talk to her after service. It's going to be a great week, and we want you guys to be there. So, yeah, sign yep, up. Yep, yep. Next up, y'all. Absolutely no pressure at all, but if you guys would like to give, we got our uh, offering bucket in the back, or you guys can give online. Any uh, offerings or ties, be sure um, to do it either after service or before service. Um, and yeah, no yeah. pressure at all, guys. And hey, here at Bridge Youth, we love meeting new people, so stand up, stand up. Get to your feet, get to your come feet. Come on, come on. Come on, come on. Hey, meet somebody new and hit them with this question. Would you rather go skydiving or bungee jumping. Skydiving! Woo! 
encourage youth. How are we feeling tonight? You guys good? Hey, trust me. Trust me. Tr look at your neighbor. Say, trust me. You do not want to miss summer camp. Summer camp spots are going quick. So you're going to want to go and register tonight. Hey, we're switching some stuff up uh, again, and, and we're going to be jumping straight into the message in just a moment. And here's what, here's what I would love to see happen. I would love not a single person in the room to miss what God wants to do in just a moment. So look at your neighbor and say, don't miss it. So here's the thing. You're like, it's, it's like sixth grade and up. The youngest person in the room is probably 11 or 12. So, you know, we're all grown. We pay our taxes. We pay our own bills. We're grown, right? So we can hold, we can hold our potties till the end of service. We don't have to be distracting those around us because I really don't want you to miss what it is that God wants to speak to you tonight. We live in this culture, in this society that's so fast-paced, it's so quick, it's move, 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 and constantly be, be thinking about what's coming next. And so often it's like we have to capture every single moment that we're ever in, so then we're not even just living in the moment. And so for these next few moments, I encourage you, pull out your notebook, pull out your notes app, Put your phone on airplane mode. If you guys didn't know, there's an airplane mode on your phone where you won't receive texts and notifications and everything. And just in this moment, lean into what God wants to speak to you. You guys down with that? You guys good with that? Anybody else ready to hear from God tonight? I know I am week two of essentials. So we love you guys. We believe in you guys. We love seeing you guys be a part of the ministry. So I'm going to ask my boy Chaz to come up and to lead us in prayer. Let's go, Chaz. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Lead us in prayer, Chaz. Lord, I pray over Wyatt's message tonight. I pray that his message resonates with each and every one of these students, God, and that he says exactly what you want him to say, to say the exact manner you want him to say it, God. Lord, I thank you that we get to gather here tonight. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. Let's get it. Youth, how we doing tonight? Chew. Hey, look at your neighbor and just do this to him. Say, Chew. <laughs> hey, I am beyond stoked to be here with y'all tonight. In case we have not yet met, my name is Wyatt Staggers. I am here on staff at the church. And whether you are tuning in online, uh, whether you are in person, we are just so 
happy and so excited to have y'all with us tonight. And if it is your first time, we are extra honored and extra pleased to have y'all with us. We like to greet all of our guests every single week in a way that never gets old for us. We like to say that we are here to build you up, not... Hey, we love you guys. We are happy to have y'all here. Uh, if you're not catch my name, my name is Wyatt Staggers. Like I said, I'm on staff here at the church. I oversee a few different areas here, uh, specifically with the Next Gen team, the amazing Pastor Corey and Pastor Amber. If you guys love your youth pastors, make some noise for them. I get to oversee our young adults group. So that means for all of our uh, 2023 seniors, that means that y'all can officially go to young adults. We have our next gathering coming up on July 2nd. And that is going to be a special gathering because we're actually going to be doing a July 4th party, a 4th of July Independence Day barbecue. Some middle schoolers said, can I go? Can I go to that? Uh, We will be checking IDs at the door. I'm so sorry. Um, No fakes allowed. But If you are a senior or you already graduated at this point, we would love to have y'all with us on July 2nd. The other area that I get to oversee is our school ministry program. If you are in our school ministry, can you guys make some noise? Hey, our school ministry program is amazing. Essentially what it is is that it is for people who either feel like they have a call of ministry on their life and they want to pursue the calling that God has put on them or even people who don't necessarily feel called to ministry, but they want to be involved in church. They want to learn more about God. They want to be able to uh, strengthen their leadership skills. Or even people who just want to take a gap year, right? Right after high school, sometimes you don't know exactly what you want to do with your life. You're trying to still figure out college and career and all those sort of things. We want to make it accessible to y'all. If you are looking to do a possible gap year, I would recommend School of Ministry. I'm biased. What can I say? But we would love to have y'all involved with us. Uh, If it has not yet been spoken, it is for people who have already graduated. It's for young adults. Again, sorry to all of our middle schoolers. I know you were looking forward to it, uh, but just wait until you graduate and we would love to have y'all a part of the program. If I'm saying all this and you're like, man, I actually want to know more about it, come see me after service tonight. And we can uh, get some information over to y'all. Tonight, I have the honor and the privilege and also the responsibility as well to be bringing y'all the message. And we are jumping into week two. Someone say week two of our series, Essentials. And I love the idea behind this series because it is a deep dive, a look into the foundational things of our faith. Pastor Corey brought an amazing message last week about salvation. Come on now. Hey, if no one else is going to say it, you might as well, right? Come on. Um, Pastor Corey brought an amazing message about salvation and about the gospel and about what it means, how to receive it, what we're saved from, what we're saved into, sanctification, all those sort of things. Uh, If you were here for that, you knew that it was a great message. But if you were not there for it, you are in luck because we are going to be essentially building off of that message. And we're not going to stray too far away from salvation. And so the sort of a starting verse that we're going to be jumping into is found in the book of John. The book of John, it's found in the Bible. If you are brand new to church or you are brand new to here at the Bridge Church, spoiler alert, we love a guy named Jesus and we believe in the Bible. 
Not just that it is a historical text, not just that it is old, uh, but that it is the truth. It is the word of God. It is God breathed. It is used for application within our lives, and it is still relevant to this day. And so that's the book that we're going to be diving into tonight. And we're going to be in a section uh, known as the Gospel of John found in the New Testament. And so there's four different Gospels. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the last one of that. So if you guys want to flip to y'all Bibles, or if you guys want to go into your your, your phone, you have an app, things like that, uh, go ahead and find it on there. If you go into Revelation, turn back now while you still can. Um, as we jump into John 1, some context behind the verse before we actually jump into it. John is writing about who Jesus is. And he's writing about who Jesus is in a way that is very, um, how can I say, almost like mythical, the way that he's talking about Jesus, he's saying that he was, he was the word. He was there even before uh, creation. In fact, all things were created through Jesus. And the word became flesh. And the flesh of who God is, the embodiment of God in Jesus, came down to earth. And this is where we find ourselves within John chapter 1, verse 14. Can we all stand within the honor of the reading of God's word? If you do have a Bible, awesome. If you have a device, awesome. If you have neither one of those things, and like I said, you are brand new to church, uh, into this youth group, we're going to be having the scripture up on the screen for y'all. Here's what it says in John chapter 1, verse 14. It says, the word of God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Somebody say full of grace and truth. If you're taking notes, that's going to be our message title for tonight. Grace and truth. Grace and truth. Let's pray before we jump further into the word. God, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for this moment. God, we thank you, Lord, for uh, just being able to be inside of your presence, being able to have the ability to draw close to you, God, as you want to draw close to us, Jesus. We thank you, God, for every single student, for every single leader, for every single person that's inside of this room tonight, Lord, and every single person that's going to be watching this online, Jesus, that you would just speak to them wherever they are in their life, whatever season they're going through, whatever sort of situations, whatever it is that's happening inside of their lives, God, you have them here for a purpose and for a reason. And God, we just ask that you would speak to each and every one of us, Lord. Use me as we dive into your word and as we dive into your truth, God. We love you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, y'all can have a seat. Hey, I just have a quick question. Um, and just so you guys know, I am a responsive preacher. What that means is that that does not give you liberty uh, to just talk while I'm talking. What that means is that if you want to say amen, you can say amen. If you want to say hallelujah, say hallelujah. Uh, if you want to talk back to me during the message, as in adding to the message, not taking away, as in distracting from uh, what is going on, feel free to do that. But I have the first, I have the first question for you all that you can respond to. How many of you guys would say that the truth hurts? Let me see. I think I would say that, right? The truth hurts. I'm going to tell you a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a personal story for me. I guess you could say a little bit of a, you know, the moment that I realized that I could fall in love. And uh, you might be wondering, oh my gosh, he's going to talk about the moment that he met Miranda, his wife. Um, I've already gotten clearance from Miranda that I could share the story. I'm going to tell you guys when I first, when I first fell in love when I was in the fifth grade. Uh, someone said, boo, <laughs> how dare you? 
How dare you love another person, not Miranda? Um, but this was the moment in my life in fifth grade where I realized, you know what? Girls aren't that bad. <laughs> like, like every guy goes through that moment, right? Up until that point, you're like, you're like, girls are weird. Girls are smelly. I, you know, like, like I just, ugh, I just can't stand them, right? But then you get to that point where you're like, that girl's kind of cute. <laughs> like, what is, what is going on? with my stomach, what is this like? You know, like, like what are these butterflies in my stomach doing? And this, is, this was that moment for me in fifth grade. Little fifth grade Wyatt has a crush on a girl. And I will not use any, main, any names for continuity uh, or anything like, as if she's actually watching. Um, I'm gonna get sued after this. Um, but when I was in fifth grade, there was a girl that I liked. Someone say, ooh. And so I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going I'm to try to spit some game. As, as y'all would say, Riz. <laughs> hey, respectfully. And I thought to myself, you know what? <laughs> Dude, this is so cringy. Just like rethinking all of this right now. I thought to myself, you know what girls love? Girls love flowers. And so I like flowers. Awesome. Uh, thank you for confirming what I already thought. Um, so I thought to myself, okay, girls like Flowers, And what better flower to give a girl than, than a beautiful rose, right? But not even a bouquet of roses, just one single rose. And, and my parents were, were in full support of this. And I remember they were helping me out with it. They got like a little vase for this rose. We tied a little ribbon on it. And at the very end of the ribbon, it said uh, for blank. It said the girl's name. Her name's not blank. Uh, but it said for blank. And then it said uh, from, and then it said my name. It said Wyatt little heart right next to it. And I remember going into school the next day on my face, confident as ever, with the swagger that I had as a fifth grader. But my heart, if it was a person, it would be, because I was so scared. <laughs> like when we retell stories when we were little, we're like, we, like we use modern language, right? We're like, yeah. And then I went up to her and I said, what's up, girl? <laughs> was good with it. But in the moment, you did not do that. You were like, uh, hey, I like you. Um, so I'm walking into school, and I get to my class, and the girl is not there yet, thank God. So I get there, and she has her desk. I know, I know where she sits, and I put the rose on her desk. I walk away, and I sit down on my, on my chair, and I get into position, right? I'm ready to watch the show. I'm ready to watch the fireworks. I'm ready to watch the glimmer and the sparkle in her eye as she walks in. And she walks in, and I kid you not, it looked as if somebody, like, passed gas. And she was smelling something that did not smell right because there was so much stank on her face when she saw the rose on her desk. Because I think she knew who it was from right away. And she walks over to it, and I'm thinking... Maybe she's just hiding in her emotions, right? Maybe she's so excited that she's like, I don't want anybody else to know, so I'm just going to, like, play it cool. Um, that was not the case. And so, so I'm like, all right, give it some time, right? I end up going to the bathroom sometime shortly after. I come back, and guess what was on my desk? The rose. She put the rose on my desk when I went to the bathroom. And the cringiest part was, was that at some point, I tried to put the rose back on her desk. <laughs> and, and, you know, uh, long story short, I did get rejected 
that day. And in the moment, I was so heartbroken and I was so sad. But you know what? Looking back, I think God knew what he was doing because he was saving a queen just for me. Come on. Um, that girl is also a doctor now. So I guess she didn't really need me either. So uh, I'm glad that things worked out for her. But moral of the story is, is that sometimes the truth hurts. Again, we all saw the hands that went up, right? The truth can sometimes hurt. But what do we do in the moment when the truth hurts? What do we do in the moment when we hear the thing that is truthful, but it's the thing that we did not want to hear? Do we accept it? Do we try to hide from it? Do we try to run from it? Do we try to figure out a way around it? And ultimately, when I was thinking about what it is that God wanted me to preach tonight, I was thinking about the things that, that, uh, that Pastor Corey was preaching last week in salvation and uh, being saved from our sin and being saved for God. And the only thing that I was thinking of was what is the next step in salvation? What's the thing that we can build on top of from last week? And the only thing that I could think of and the only thing that the Holy Spirit was really giving me was the idea of us knowing exactly who Jesus is. Because if we are to follow Jesus, we should ultimately know who Jesus is. And when we read scripture, just, just like the one that we read right now within John 1 verse 14, it says that Jesus is full of grace, but he is also full of truth as well. And for a lot of us, maybe you are new to Christianity, but maybe you've been following Jesus for a while, or you've been knowing about God or following God for a while. I think sometimes what can happen is that we fall into this idea that's like the God in the Old Testament, everything before Jesus, man, I, I don't know what was up with that guy. <laughs> like sometimes we can have the idea that God in the Old Testament is somehow different than the God that's in the New Testament. But we have to realize that Jesus is the full embodiment of who God is. And so if God of the Old Testament is who he is, full of, full of holiness, full of, full of truth, full of all those things, then that means that Jesus is also full of truth. And Jesus is also full of grace as well. But we like to think of it as, oh, I love when Jesus shows me grace. See, ultimately, grace is undeserved and unearned favor from God. It means that we didn't have to do anything for it. It, it. it wasn't what we did. It wasn't our works. It wasn't any of those things. It is just who God is to extend grace to us. But then we hear about the truth of God, and we think, I don't really like that, though. You know, if I, could, if, I could have, if I could only know the God of grace, man, I, I, you know, that's, that's the God that I love. That's the God of the New Testament. That's Jesus. But then the God of truth, oh, I, I just can't really get down with all of that. But we have to realize that when it comes to Jesus and when it comes to following Jesus, Jesus is not just full of grace, but he is also full of truth as well. And we have to know that beforehand. We have to know that even before we start walking with Jesus. Because if we don't, we're going to have an expectation and in a, in a false idea of the God and the person that we are following. That we are being saved for. And so we have to have an accurate idea in terms of who Jesus is as a result of our salvation. And the thing that we're going to be doing tonight is that we're going to be jumping into a story or a parable 
that Jesus is telling. If you're not sure what a parable is, a parable is essentially just a story. It's an illustration. It's a metaphor. It's, a, it's an analogy. See, what Jesus did was that he used these parables in order to convey a specific truth or idea. And instead of saying the idea or the truth outright, he used parables or illustrations to get the point across. And so we're going to be jumping into a parable found in John chapter 10. And we're going to be starting off in verse 1. And we're just going to be going from there. And this is going to be the main text for tonight. So let's jump right into it. John chapter 10, starting off in verse 1. It says, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus talking. This is at the very beginning of his parable. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gates is the shepherd of the sheep. My very first point for us tonight, if you are taking notes, and I highly encourage it, is this is the way. This is the way. And all my Mandalorian fans say, amen. Someone said, I'm listening. (laughs) I'm here now. (laughs) This is the way. See, what Jesus is doing and what we have to understand is that he is trying to convey, like I said, an idea or a truth that is sometimes bigger than our own understanding. So he uses an illustration such as a shepherd and sheep. Now, the first thing that we have to understand is who is who in this, in this situation, in this story. So first and foremost, the shepherd that is talked about in John chapter 10 is Jesus. And guess who all of we are? The sheep. Someone say, bah. All of us are sheep. And the reality is, is that we have a lot more in common with sheep than we realize. Because whether you knew it or not, whether you grew up on a farm or not, sometimes sheep can smell, but sheep also make dumb decisions. And if we're being honest with ourselves, sometimes we can smell, and other times, maybe more times than not, we can make bad decisions. And if you know any bad, is that what you said, Corey? Good. Um, if we are being honest with ourselves, this fits us precisely, is that we make bad decisions. We do not always know the best way or the best thing to do for our life. What we can know about sheep and what we can see about sheep is that a lot of times they are aimless, meaning if you just let sheep kind of just do their thing, dude, they will wander off and like go everywhere and anywhere. That's why they need a shepherd. That's why if you ever see videos of like, of like uh, specific types of dogs running out and like, like herding the sheep. They need that because they need some sort of direction. They need some sort of like thing in front of them telling them, this is where we gotta go. This, this is the direction. Because what sheep will ultimately do is that they will get off course. They will, they will just kind of just go and do their own thing. And I think if we're being honest with ourselves, as we go throughout life, if this story is a representation of Jesus in us, if this is a story about the grace and the truth of Jesus, then all of us are the sheep and Jesus is the shepherd, which means that all of us in life, we all need a shepherd. AKA, we all need a specific direction, a specific goal, a specific way that we are going. And if Jesus isn't going to be your shepherd, then everything else will. In fact, what's going to happen is that you won't even choose your shepherd. Your shepherd's going to choose you. 
Whatever relationship you're in, whatever sort of social media you're on, whatever sort of political party you want to, you want to inspire to, whatever sort of uh, celebrity or artist, then that is going to be your shepherd. But what Jesus is saying is that the best way and the only way is if I am your shepherd. And what we have to realize... What we have to realize is that that idea has both grace and truth. See, here's the thing, is that the grace from this specific section is that there is a way in Jesus. That's the grace. We never deserved it. We never earned it. We never earned that Jesus would come down on earth and be our shepherd, and that's the grace. But the truth is, is that there is only one way. See, what we're going to do tonight is that I really feel like we are going to raise the theological and intellectual bar and standard tonight. And we're going to go through some sort of bigger topics and some bigger words tonight. And so all I want us to do is that as we go through these things is just to stay with me and just trust me. Because some of these words are going to be like, I don't even know it, so I'm just going to tune out. But can I just tell you, if you do not tune out and if you listen to the words and you listen to what the Holy Spirit is telling you, you may not be affected by it now, but you will be in the future. And so think of this moment as an equipping process so that when you face these things, you will be prepared and you will be ready. And you're not going to react, but you're going to respond to them. And so the first thing that we can realize going off of this grace and truth, the grace that Jesus gives us away, but the truth that there is only one way, is that this idea is under attack by modern culture today. One of the ways that it's under attack is by an idea or a philosophy known as postmodernism. How many of you guys have ever heard or understand what postmodernism is? You know what? Honestly, I love that. I love that not everybody knows exactly what it is. Because let me explain it to you. What postmodernism says is that there is no definitive truth. There is no objective truth. Meaning the truth can be whatever you want it to be. Have you guys ever heard of the phrase, my truth, your, your truth? The idea with postmodernism is that I can have my truth and you can have your truth and they can be different, but they can still be the truth. Like one, that doesn't make any sense. Two, that's the reality of today. In fact, we actually have a graphic uh, ready to show you guys, just to give you guys an idea in terms of what postmodernism looks like. See, pre-modern would tell you that that point is the truth, right? This is the starting point. Modern would tell you that from that point, we want to learn more, we want to go upwards, we want to have more discoveries. Postmodernism, as you can see, is a mess. You can't even explain it. But the idea behind it is that whatever your truth is, that's your truth. But there's a catch with postmodernism, is that postmodernism has this little, this little valve in it, this little loophole in it called victimhood. And what postmodernism does is that you can have your truth and I can have my truth, but if your truth goes against and oppresses my truth, then your truth is no longer valid. Your truth is, your truth is no longer the truth, now your truth is oppressive. Now your truth is racism. Now your truth is, is uh, I totally forgot, uh, toxic masculinity, right? Like, like throw in all of those things that you hear from TikTok and YouTube and Instagram and all of the cool, you know, church theologians want to tell you all this sort of stuff. But the idea of it being is that you can have your truth and I can have my truth and they can be totally different, but yet they're still the truth. And that's the world that we live in. 
And maybe you've never faced this before. And maybe you're laughing up front because you have no idea what I'm talking about. But the idea is, is that all of us are under attack by this idea of postmodernism, saying that this is truth and this is truth, but there is no definitive truth. The other part of that and the other section behind that is this idea of universalism. Now, what universalism would tell you is that you can believe in whatever you want and you will still get to heaven. You can believe in any sort of religion or not and still get to the same place. We're all going to get down to the same road. We're all going to get to the same conclusion. We're all going to get to the exact same destination no matter what we believe, no matter how we believe it. But can I just let you know that that's a lie. That is not true. And it doesn't, a lot of times what people do is that when these ideas are faced head on and when you say that it's not true, it's easy for somebody to get their walls put up. And it's easy for somebody to play the part of a victim. But can I tell you that just because the truth goes against what it is that you feel or what it is that you already think, can I tell you that even though we don't like it, it's still the truth. And the idea of it being is that Jesus is the only way. There is no universalism when it comes to the kingdom of God. There is no universalism when it comes to Jesus. Because I don't know what text you're reading, but in the Bible, it has nowhere where it says that no matter what you believe in, you will always make it to the same conclusion. Can I tell you that that is ultimately a lie? And the only way that we can fight against this conflict and this situation happening inside of our lives as we follow Jesus, there's going to be so many people that tell you, you can do this instead, you can go this way instead. But what you have to understand is that the only solution to postmodernism and universalism is the truth. It says right here in John chapter 14, verse 6. Let me see real quick. It says, this is Jesus talking. It says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way. And that's the difficult truth that sometimes we have to try to digest. We have to try to understand is that there is grace in knowing that Jesus is a way, but there's also the truth in knowing that that Jesus is the only way. And we have to understand that even though these ideas might be attacked, the only way to go against it and the only way for us to actually be secure in our faith is through knowing what the truth is. So point number one, this is the way. The second point for us tonight is going to be found back in the book of John, uh, chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. So John chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. Jesus continues on. He says, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Point number one was this is the way. Point number two is follow the way. Follow the way. Okay, so remember, right, we're sheep in this scenario. We, we are the sheep within this story. And like I said before, sheep can make dumb decisions. In fact, what sheep will often do is that they will follow whatever sheep or whatever person is right in front of them. So that sheep could be going in the wrong direction. That sheep could be going in total danger, and they will just keep on following them because that's the sheep or that's the person that's right in front of them. Right? Again, sheep, us, people, we make dumb decisions. We, 
we kind of think that we can just go our own way. We kind of think that we know better. We kind of know that, you know, like I get it that God wants me to do this and he wants me to follow this path, but I think I'm gonna do this instead, <laughs> right? Like how many times do we find ourselves in those situations in life where God has a clear path in front of us and God says, I give you an opportunity to follow this path and we're like, no, I don't think I'm gonna, I don't think that I'm gonna go that way. See, oftentimes what sheep can do is that sheep can find themselves going in the wrong direction all because of a sound or because there's something, bless you, all because of a sound or something shiny in a bush and they're like, what is that? You know, it could be like a growling bear and they're like, I'm gonna go check it out. <laughs> like it's a horror movie and, 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 the, and the guy with the chainsaw is right behind the door and he revs it up and you're like, who's there, right? Like, like oftentimes that's what sheep would do. They would just walk into danger without knowing any better because they don't really have much of a way. And same can be true for us, is that we lose our way because we think to ourselves that my way is better. I wanna live my life the way that I wanna live it, and if I have consequences because of it, well, then I'm just gonna blame God for it. And ultimately, we have to understand that sometimes, if not all the time, God has better plans for you than you have for yourself. What if I told you that the reason why Jesus is our shepherd and the reason why Jesus wants to lead us on a specific path is because that's the path that we were made to walk. What if the reason why God tells us don't do this, stay away from this, isn't because he's trying to restrict us, but actually it's because he's trying to bless us? What if instead of us looking at sin as something that God is trying to keep us away from, what if we look at sin as something that we were never meant to enjoy or indulge in in the first place? A lot of times we look at sin and we look at truth and we're like, man, God's just really oppressing me over here. I'm just going to go do whatever it is that I want to do. Maybe there's a reason why God's putting up a boundary and saying, hey, go this way instead because you were never meant to do this in the first place. And I don't want you to get off on the right track. And I don't want you to go the wrong direction because I am not trying to keep you away from something. I'm trying to keep you for something. Because I have a future and I have a plan and I have something ahead of you that is bigger and better than your own thoughts could ever think or imagine. There's something better that God ultimately has for us. And we have the opportunity to follow in God's way, in the way that Jesus has for us. Going back to the idea of grace and truth. See, the grace behind this idea is that Jesus has a better way. Again, we, we never asked for it. We never earned it. We never, we never got to a place where we can earn enough, you know, faith points in order to get there. God has a better plan for you. But the truth behind it is that we have to change our way. We have to change the direction that we're going on. See, in order to follow after what God has for us, we have to say no to ourselves and we have to say yes to what it is that God has for us. Now, there's a conflict that happens in between both of these ideas. The idea that God has something better for us and the idea that we have to change in order to get there. And it's this idea that is not really a new idea, but it's a new trend that's happening. And it's this idea called deconstruction. Everybody ever heard of deconstruction before? If you are anywhere on like theological or like Christian TikTok, you might have heard of some stories where people sit in front of the camera and they're like, let me tell you my story. Let me, let me tell you about how, about how God hurt me. And the whole idea behind deconstruction 
at the core of deconstruction is that it sounded to be positive. See, what deconstructionists would tell you is that all you are doing is just taking apart your faith, you're taking off all of the bad things, all of the things that you got wrong, all of the things that you know have hurt you and oppressed you, and all you're doing is that you're getting down to the nitty gritty and you're building your faith on that. But here's the thing, I talked to a few people today people who have gone to college, people who have known other Christians before, other people who have deconstructed. Every single person who I asked, do you know someone or ever heard of a story of someone deconstructing? They say yes. I said, okay, are they still following Jesus today? You know what every single one of them said? No. The whole idea behind deconstruction is that I'm supposed to make my faith better. I'm supposed to build on this because I'm down to the core of what it is that I believe in. It's just me and God, and I'm just going to build on this. But oftentimes what people do with deconstruction is that they just take the things that they don't like about their faith, and they just throw it right out. They take the idea of grace and truth, and instead of having a balance behind it, they say, eh, I don't really believe in this stuff. I'm just going to take all of this, and this is going to be my faith, and this is going to be my religion. This is going to be my God. See, what ultimately happens is that we are creating a version of Jesus that is not the real Jesus because we are trying to separate Jesus away from grace and truth, and we want Jesus to be all grace, or we want Jesus to be all truth, but the idea behind it is that God is both. He is full grace and he is fully truth and we cannot separate the two without creating something totally different in its entirety and so the whole idea behind deconstruction is that I'm just going to whittle my faith down until I don't believe it anymore and that's what people in the postmodernism world that we live in that's what people say that you should do because you know I mean Christianity is an oppressive religion you know Christianity is is actually racist. You know, Christianity is actually, oh, so many people have been hurt by Christianity. Don't you realize that, that the God that you're serving, that the, that the God that, that, that you worship is racist? Don't you realize that the God that you worship, and they go through on and on and on, all because they have some hurt about what somebody said to them, and now they blame all of that on God. And they take their faith, and they say, I don't like this, and I like this, and I'm just going to go ahead, and I'm just going to worship God in this way. But it's not really God. It's their own God. It's actually not even even a God. It's themselves. (laughs) Like, they go ahead, and they don't even worship Jesus. They worship themselves because they're taking Jesus, and they're saying, God, let me me morph you into the world that I want to live in. And all of a sudden, they they take their faith, and they they just abandon it. Entirety. And the reason why I'm telling you this is because you will face, you will be faced with a decision throughout your walk with Jesus time and time again where you will hear people say things that sound right, but they're actually not. You see, what Jesus is talking about is that he's talking about people who go over the sheepfold, who look like the shepherd, who look like somebody who people should follow, but they're actually false teachers. They're actually false messiahs. They come in claiming to be Jesus and claiming to be followers of Jesus, but they're actually not. And you will be faced with this time and time and time again. And the reason why I want to tell you this is so that you are ready when it happens. Because it it may not be happening to you right now, but it does happen in your life. Because I believe that your generation is going to be affected the most by deconstruction, by postmodernism, by universalism. As the truth is being blurred time and time and time again, your generation is going to be the one that's hit with it the hardest. But it's also up to your generation to set the record straight. 
to, to ultimately have the truth be prevailed. You see, because when we go through this journey of following Jesus and the grace of Jesus having a way for us, but also the truth that we have to change our way in order to fit what it is that God wants to do inside of our life, is that instead of us deconstructing our faith, there's actually a better, uh, more sustaining, more biblical solution behind this. And it's two ideas. The first one is repentance. Pastor Corey talked about this a little bit last week. And the whole idea behind repentance is that when you sin, when you fall short of God's standard, or in this case, when you want to deconstruct your faith because you got some portion of God wrong, you had some expectation of who God was that was incorrect and that was false, what you have to do is that you have to repent from that mindset. And what repentance looks like is going the other way. It is turning away from the sin. It is turning away from the uh, false ideology. It's turning away from the lie, and it's going towards Jesus. And going towards Jesus is going to be the next solution, which is sanctification. See, sanctification is just a fancy theological word to mean becoming more like Christ. See, Jesus did not just come to earth so that he would die on a cross for our sins. Praise God that he did that. But he also came to earth so that he can set the example for you and me to live by. He set the example to say, this is how you should live life. This is how you should serve God. I am setting the example for you to live by so that when you are saved and when you repent from your sins and when you walk towards me, you will make every effort every day to become more and more like me. That is what following Jesus looks like. And there's two things that Jesus mentions within this text when he talks about the sheep and when he talks about opening up the gate and the sheep following him. The first one is this, the sheep recognizing the shepherd's voice. See, what we have to do, if we're going to follow Jesus effectively and for a long time, we have to recognize Jesus' voice. And for a lot of us, we don't know even what that means. And I think that, if I'm being honest with myself my years of being a pastor and my years of being in ministry, I have sometimes done a bad job of explaining what terms like that mean. Because sometimes what can happen is that we can just throw out a phrase like, just listen to God. And you're like, that's awesome. What does that mean? <laughs> like you turn to your neighbor and you're like, how do I do that? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to listen to God. What does that mean? Like what, what exactly does that mean? What it means is, is us going into God's word and us knowing God's word and us spending time in God's word. Because if there's one thing that I know about recognizing the voice of God, it's that God's voice is never going to contradict his word. And so as you go throughout your day and as you have all the sort of thoughts that you have, as you have all the sort of things going on inside of your mind and you're trying to differentiate, okay, is that God? Is this God? Is this me? Is this, you know, is this my friend? Is this my family? Is this my wants? Is this my desires? As you are going through those things, you can recognize right off the bat if it's God's voice or not. Because all you have to do is ask yourself, does this fall in line with God's word or does this contradict God's word? If it confirms God's, God's word, if it reaffirms God's word, if it falls in line with it, then it's probably God. But if it contradicts God's word, it's not God. But the first thing that we have to do is that we have to know God's word. So we have to go back to God's word. Because as you're going throughout social media and as you're going throughout life and as you're hit with all of these sort of attacks, you can recognize, wait a minute, I have a foundation set in God's word and I know if this is God or if it's not. Because there's gonna be a lot of lies out there and the only way to defeat and go against the lies is to know the truth. And the only way to find the truth is through God's word. 
is through recognizing his voice. The next thing that the sheep have to do in order to, um, in order to follow in the shepherd's way is, is do just that, is to follow the shepherd. What does that look like for us? Well, we go back to what I just said. We, we're in God's word. We know God's word. We follow the example of Jesus. If you want to know what Jesus did, read what Jesus did. If you ever have a situation where you are in a what would Jesus do moment, go to the word. See what Jesus would do. See what Jesus did. See, Jesus is the full embodiment of God. But that doesn't mean that, that he totally separated us from, uh, from his existence. Because even while Jesus was here, he hurt like us. He mourned like us. He cried like us. He went on a cross and he died for us. He went through all the same temptations of life that we also go through, but yet he never was overcome by them. And so if we are going to follow the shepherd, what better thing to do than know his example by going back to his word? It says within uh, Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30, this is Jesus talking to a group of people, and he's talking to them about uh, those who are weary and those who have heavy burdens. And I feel like that in, in, a, in a space like this and in a room like this, it's easy for us to just, you know, just kind of glance over the sort of struggles or the sort of things that could be going on inside of our lives. Because maybe you're here tonight and you're thinking to yourself, man, I want to follow Jesus. I want to know more about Jesus. But I just feel so weary. I feel so broken. I feel so heavy burdened by life and by culture and by all these things happening around me. And I feel like that it's, that it's too much and I can't follow God because I got to get rid of all this baggage in order to follow after him. Here's the solution found in Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. Then... Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Another idea for souls is your, is your inner person, a.k.a. your emotions, your mind, your, your thoughts. Jesus wants to give you rest for your emotions. He wants to give you rest for your soul and for your thoughts and for the things that are going on mentally and inside of your life. And then Jesus says in verse 30, he says, for my yoke is easy to bear and my burden, or and the burden I give you is light. Now, first and foremost, what Jesus is talking about, when he talks about a yoke, he's talking about a um, a tool that was used in farming or livestock. And two oxen would be inside of this machinery, essentially to pair both of them up, and they would plow the field together. What Jesus is saying at that point is that he's saying, let me do life with you. Let me go with you throughout life. You and, you and I, we're going to be a team. You and I, whatever sort of situation you're going through, I'm going to be right there with you. Let me help guide you. Let me help lead you. Let me help show you the lifestyle that I have for you. The next thing that Jesus says is that my burden is light. Wait a minute. Jesus, you just told me to let go of my burdens because I have so many, and now you want to put another burden on me? The burden that Jesus was talking about wasn't, wasn't like an actual burden, but he was saying if you want to take off religion, if you want to take off at the time the law and the burden of the law is that I will give you another burden, but this burden is not going to be the same burden that you walked in with. It's going to be a fresh teaching. It's going to be a fresh lifestyle. It's going to be an easy lifestyle. Not easy as in it's easy to execute, but easy as in it's not going to weigh you down. It's not going to be a burden for you. You're going to be able to be yoked with me, not hitting the gym, but yoked with me, together with Jesus, and you're also going to have my burden or my teaching upon your life. And that is how we find rest in Jesus, is by following after his example and what he has for us. As we conclude and as we wrap up, I'm going to ask the 
worship team to to, uh, come on up to the front. Uh, We're going to be starting our descent pretty soon. So please have all of your trays uh, right in front of you. Put up in the upright uh, upright position. Uh, Make sure that your seatbelts are on because we're going to start our descent back into uh, Bridge Youth. (laughs) This is your captain speaking. Happy to have you on board. Welcome to flight school. (laughs) All right. Let's jump back into the scripture found in John chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. John chapter 10, verses 9 through 11 says this. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will, be, uh, they will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying Life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. The last point for y'all tonight as we start to close is accept the way. Accept the way. You know, I think a lot of times what happens when we, when we start to follow Jesus, even myself can find, can find these thoughts sort of, sort of coming back to mind is that sometimes it's difficult to follow Jesus when we know all of, the, all of the sin and all of the hurt that we bear. Sometimes it can be difficult to follow after Jesus and accept the salvation and the free gift that he has for us when all we can think about is our past, when all we can think about is the sin and the shame that we have on our lives. And, and oftentimes what happens is that we can understand salvation we can understand that Jesus died for us. We can understand that he rose again from the grave. We can, we can know and understand all of those things and yet never accept salvation. Because we can't get past this idea of me? Okay, I get it, right? Like, like Jesus died for everyone, as in everybody around me and not for me. And what we can do so many times is that as we know ourselves and as we know our past and as we know our sins it can weigh us down to the point where we can know salvation but never actually accept salvation and ultimately the conflict that arises is shame and if you're unfamiliar with shame or the definition of shame I want to go through a few of the effects of shame because maybe you're here tonight and you're like that's not me I don't deal with that I'm a, I'm a Christian. I don't deal with shame. But I want to go over the effects because maybe some of these effects are actually going to land with you. And maybe you're going to understand, wait a minute, maybe I've been dealing with shame this whole time. The effects of shame are this. Jesus is available for everyone except for me. Shame can become a lifestyle, how we see ourselves. Shame can give us a victimhood mentality. Shame can make us believe that God is angry with us. Shame can lead us to lying, deception, and false pride. Shame is getting our self-worth from the things that we do. Shame is the inability to come to a place of honesty with God because we believe we have no true value. Shame is concentrating on our sin rather than our Savior. And sin is thinking that we have done too much and we are too far gone for Jesus to save me. And we have these ideas and they they really do stop us from accepting what it is that Jesus has done for us on the cross, which is to die for our sin. 
But here's the solution behind it. The only solution to shame is, of course, grace. And this is a huge aspect of grace. The solution to shame and our shame that we feel is a word called justification. If you're not familiar with the word justification, I'm going to read you the definition. Justification is that gracious and judicial act of God whereby a soul is granted complete absolution from all guilt and a full release from the penalty of sin. The act of divine grace is brought by faith in the merits of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, meaning we can only receive justification, the, 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 the complete wiping away of our sin through Jesus and through what it is that he's done for our lives. And if you don't believe me, I have a few scriptures for y'all just to, just to give you the idea in terms of what it is that God does for us in regards to justification. It says within Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17, it says, then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. It says within Galatians 2.20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Which means that justification goes beyond just our sins being wiped clean. Justification says you are a new creation. It's, it's no longer I who live, but it's now Christ in his grace and his strength and his acceptance that is living through me. In the last one, it says within Psalms 103 verses 9 through 12, it says, He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve for his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. And here's the part. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. No more of our sins. He, he, he chooses not to remember our sins. He no longer holds our sins against us, which means that the shame that we once felt is there no more. And there's the grace behind it. The grace is, is that Jesus saved us and that Jesus wiped the slate clean. But the truth is, is that we are to go and sin no more. Jesus, oftentimes when he was in communication with people and when he was done healing people, oftentimes he would say that your faith has made you well. AKA, you coming to me and you having faith in me has healed you. I have healed you because of your faith. And then what he would say is go and sin no more. As if to say, Jesus was not just concerned with our physical bodies, but he was more concerned with our eternal place. He was more concerned with our souls. He was more concerned with our spirits because our body is going to die and go away one day, but our spirit is gonna last forever. And healing can heal our physical bodies, but it's salvation that's gonna heal our spirit. It's salvation and it's justification that's gonna bring us in right standing with God so that we can spend all of eternity with him. Why? Because he loves you. 
Why? Because he has grace for you and you didn't earn it and you didn't deserve it, but yet God wanted to give it to you because he says, you know what? I'm going to send my son down and he's going to die on a cross to take their place, to take their burden, to take their punishment, to set the example for how it is that they are going to live. And he's going to take all of their pain and all of their remorse and all of their guilt and all of their shame so that they can be free. So that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And in a moment, you're going to have the opportunity to accept this Savior. In a moment, you're going to have the opportunity to accept this Jesus. And so I don't want to lose this moment right now because this, this is not just a temporary physical moment. This is an eternal moment. These are things happening and in place right now that is going to last for all of eternity. Because there was a God who sent his only son down to earth to pay the price of our sins so that we can be set free. And so that we can be in complete relationship with him. All we have to do is accept his way, is accept his salvation, is accept this free gift that God has placed right before us. What I want us to do is just bow your heads, close your eyes. Right now, just all across this place, let's just take a moment to understand what it is that Jesus did for us. That the slate is wiped clean. He died on a cross for you and for me so that he can be our way, so that we can follow him, so that we would not only be healed physically, but that we would also be healed spiritually and for all of eternity. If you're here in this place and if, you, if you're being honest with yourself and you would say, you know what? I'm not walking with God. I'm not following after him. I'm not, I'm not in relationship with him, but I wanna be because my way hasn't worked out my way hasn't been what I thought it was going to be. My way hasn't, hasn't led to anything except for grief and, and shame and punishment. But I want to follow a different path in a different way. And I believe that that's Jesus. If that's you tonight and you want to accept Jesus into your heart, you want to accept him into your life, you want to receive the free gift of salvation that is extended by grace and it's received through faith. If that's you, I'm just going to count down to three. And when we get to three, I want you to raise your hand if that's you. One, two, three. If that's you, amen. All across this place. God, you're so good. God, we love you so much, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. You know, the Bible teaches us that if we confess with our mouth and if we believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God rose him from the dead, then we will surely be saved. And so what we're gonna do right now for, for everybody across this room, but especially for those who who rose their hand as an acceptance of Jesus. What we're gonna do is that I'm just gonna ask that you would repeat these words after me. And these words mean nothing if they don't come from your heart. These words don't mean anything if they don't come from a place of full acceptance and full surrender to God. So repeat these words after me. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've fallen short. But God, I accept your son. I accept Jesus into my life and into my heart. And I believe that you are the son of God, that you died on a cross for my sins, for my shame, and that God rose you from the dead. So tonight, I follow you. From this point on, change me, help me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we make some noise for the people? Sheesh. 
Hey, can I just let you guys know that, that is the best decision that you could ever make in your life. Beyond who you marry, beyond the job or the career path that you have, this is the biggest and best decision that you could ever make for your life. And what we want to do is that we want to extend our hands and our connection with you as a uh, free gift to you. We want to offer you guys a resource that we like to call the next seven days. All that is, is that it's giving you an opportunity to learn more about what it means to follow Jesus. Because I know you probably have a lot of questions. You probably want to know everything about what it is that, that you just signed up for, that you just accepted. We want to be able to help you through that process. So all that we ask is that you would uh, DM us on Instagram, bridge, Y-T-H underscore, next seven, and we will give you guys that free resource. One more time, can we make some noise for the people that receive Jesus in their hearts tonight? Hey, what I want to do right now is ask everyone, without distracting anybody, without losing out on this moment, come on up to the front. We're going to jump into worship right now. But before we do that, what I want us to do is that I want us to act out or exercise a part of the message that we talked about tonight. As people start coming up, don't lose this moment, don't lose the sight. Hey, one of the things that we talked about tonight was recognizing God's voice and following after what it is that God has for us. What I want us to do in this moment is just simply ask that God would speak to us. In fact, there's a few things that we're gonna be praying for. I have a scripture that we're gonna be actually repeating and praying. It's a, it's a psalm also known as a Hebrew song or Hebrew poetry. And oftentimes what they would do in culture and in tradition is that they would have people sing or read out these psalms. Now, I'm not gonna ask you to sing. That's their job. But what, we're, what, we're, what we are gonna do is that at a certain point during this prayer, I'm just gonna ask you guys that you would repeat these words after me and that you would receive them. Because what we're gonna do is that we're just gonna ask, God, speak to us. Because maybe for some of us, you're in this place and you're thinking to yourself, I've, I don't even think I've ever had God speak to me. I don't even think I've ever had God communicate or talk to me before. But this moment is for you. Because maybe you're in a place right now and you're like, I don't really know where to go. I don't really know what way God wants me to go in. I don't really know the direction. I'm, I'm, like, a, I'm like an aimless sheep and I, and I just found my shepherd and I don't know how to get there. I don't know what the next step is. What we're gonna do is that we're gonna ask God to do three things. One, we're gonna ask God to speak to us. And then we're gonna ask God to search us, to search our hearts, search our minds. And then we're gonna ask God to show us, show us the way, show us what it is that he wants for us next. And so all across this place, I'm just gonna ask you guys one more time, can we just close our eyes? And if you're here in this place and you want God to speak to you, like that is in your heart, that is in your mind. You have the heart, the desire, the surrender to say, God, I don't know what it's gonna be like. I don't know what it's gonna sound like, but Lord, I wanna hear from you right now. If that's you, could you just, maybe just lift up your hands right now as just a sign of surrender saying, God, I'm not holding on to anything. I just need you to speak to me tonight. God, we love you so much. God, we thank you, Lord, for who you are. God, for your words. 
for the fact that you want to speak to us, for the fact that you want to draw near to us, Lord. God, we know that your word is so clear that when we seek after you with all of our hearts, that we will find you. And Jesus, that's exactly what we're going to do during worship right now, God, is that we're going to seek after you with everything that we have, Lord, in faith, believing that you will speak to us, in faith that you will show us, in faith that you will search our hearts, that you will show us the truth, that you will show us exactly what it is that you have next for us. The Psalm that I'm gonna ask that you guys repeat is found within Psalms 139 in verses 23 to 24. So could we just repeat these words after me as a family? Could we say, search me, oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Jesus, we love you so much. God, we give you this place. Speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Hey, we're not done worshiping. We're going to move into another moment of worship, but um, I know moments like this, like for the longest time as like a young believer, as, as my lifestyle and my habits were still beginning to match up with uh, having accepted Jesus' way and following him, I remember moving into moments like this where it was time to worship. And I remember thinking all the time, I can't lift my hands, I can't worship, I can't press in because of the shame that I felt. It made me feel like a hypocrite. Because I know me and I know for many of you, you know you. And I know that if we were to go throughout the room and we were to like attach you to a lie detector test in front of everybody and start asking you very personal questions. I remember there was this old theology in, in, um, in some believers that was like terrible, terrible theology that one day you're gonna get to heaven and in front of everybody, God's gonna like pop in the DVD of your life. You guys don't have DVDs. Um, you're gonna stream your life. And everything that you ever did will be played in front of God, Jesus, and everyone there. Every secret thing you've ever done, every thought you've ever had cross your mind. And I remember thinking, I know me, and I cannot lift my hands in moments like this because if I do, I'm such a hypocrite. In the first uh, interaction between God and people in all of the Bible in Genesis, Adam and Eve, they sin. And what, what their response to sin was, the first thing it says they felt, Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, at the moment their eyes were open, they suddenly felt shame. Everybody say shame. Wyatt talked about shame tonight, and I felt in this moment, there's some people who don't enter into these moments because of the shame that you feel, because of the shame that you experience based off of some of what you've done, and you know you. So I just felt in this moment to, to come and have a moment where you, maybe a friend, a parent, or somebody else that says shame on you to say shame off of you because like what's what's been done to you what you've done if you sit there and brace it and hold on to it it'll cause you to do the same thing that Adam and Eve did they covered themselves they felt shame and then you know what they did they ran and they hid from God and then God comes through the garden like he did every night and he's looking around and he goes Adam Eve where are you you know, when God asks questions, it has nothing to do with his lack of information. He knew. And this is what it says. In the cool evening, breezes were blowing. The man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about the garden. So they hid. How heartbreaking is that they hid from God because their sin caused them to feel shame, which caused them to hide from God. For some of you in this last worship song, you weren't physically hiding, but your posture was one of hiding because you feel the shame of your own sin. So what happens, they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord called to the man, where are you? And he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid and I was afraid because I was naked. Realize that like, at this point, God and Adam and Eve, 
They've been walking around butt naked in the garden this whole time and they never thought nothing of it. There was no shame. There was nothing. And then God in verse 11 of Genesis chapter three asks one of the most heartbreaking questions of any scripture in all of the Bible. And for me, I always read the Bible something like this overdramatic movie. And for me, I see God so heartbroken, like almost tears welling up in his eyes as he asks Adam this, who told you? When it comes to shame, young person, who told you? Who told you that you're broken? Who told you? Who told you that you're no good? Who told you that you're damaged goods? Who told you that you're not enough? Who told you that there's nothing in you to be proud of? Who told you that you're unlovable? Who told you that you're ugly? Who told you that you're worthless? Who told you? I think in this moment tonight, having heard about the grace and truth of God and the fact that His grace removes all the shame from us, I want to ask you, who told you? Because what I would love to see is that when we move into this next moment of worship, I would love to see a whole room of young people be able to worship in freedom, not in shame, not in guilt, because here's the coolest thing about God. One of the scriptures Wyatt just read, that he chooses to remember our sins not. I've been reading the Bible for a long time, a really long time. And scripture talks about how God knows everything, but there's just one thing. Somebody say one thing. There's one thing God doesn't know. It's your sin if you've accepted Jesus. And some of you, you just accepted Jesus. Many of you, you've already accepted Jesus. And so what I think that's probably happening for you is the same thing that happened in 15, 16, 17, 18 year old Corey. I get to moments where I'm at an altar and I wanna worship and instead of worshiping, I sit there and I go to God, I'm like, God, I'm so sorry for blah, blah, blah that I did six months ago. And you know what I think God does sometimes? Like, I'm so sorry for that, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so, like, I feel so bad, I feel so ashamed, I feel so disgusting, I feel so messed up, I feel so broken. And I feel like sometimes God's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, God, you know, you know everything. You know that thing that I did. For some of you, it was something that was done to you. You're like, God, you know, you see. That thing that I did six months ago, the thing that made me broken and messed up and addicted and worthless, you know, and God's like, I don't recall. Because somehow God on his MacBook Pro, because he uses Apple products, when I said yes to Jesus, he went to that file that says Corey's sin. And it was like 100 bazillion trigabytes. And he clicked it and he held it. And he dragged it to the lower right corner because that's what's, what's in the lower right corner. And he dropped it there. But then he right clicked. Because when you right click, what comes up? Empty trash. And then he clicked empty trash. And then this window pops up, right? Like it always does. And it says, are you sure you want to empty trash? Because the moment you hit this button, all of these files in this trash, they are gone forever. And God said, and he removed, yeah, I went to talk into the, I tried to talk.
I try to talk into the mic with my other hand. And for me, that's grace that's hard to even wrap my head around. We're about to sing, are we singing good grace? Cool. That's just prophetic that I knew that it's not, it's in planning center. There's a line in this song that I'm, like every time I hear it, it like, it wrecks me. It says that God is madly in love with you. And for some of you, it's the first time that that line's gonna wreck you in the way that it should because you're realizing that as you apologize to God, I'm sorry for that, God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. God's like, I actually completely wiped that out of history. I don't even remember it. And when I see you, I see Jesus, and Jesus is perfect. So when I see you, I see perfection. So now you know what you can do? You can get rid of every barrier and every single thing that's been between you and God, and all the hiding and all the running can go away. I don't feel worthy. You're not, neither am I. But Jesus is worthy. So we don't have to hide anymore. Do me a favor. Would you do? just do this? Would you just close your eyes? Forget you're in a crowded room. If you're comfortable, just lift your hands. Maybe for you, you need to match your heart to the reality that your sin is gone. It's like it's washing out to sea, never to be found again. And you have so much freedom to run to God, completely vulnerable, completely free, nothing between you, all your sin washed away. It's gone as far as the east is from the west. Nobody can bring it back. God doesn't even remember it. He's wiped it out so you can experience his love and grace, everything in you in this place. We worship you, God. We honor you. You're so good. Freedom in this place. Freedom in this place. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Come on, let's worship.
He knows what it's like to lead the sheep that, are, that have gone astray or that are going astray. He knows what it's like to lead them towards the meadows in a place where they will rest, where they will have water. He knows what that's like. So if he knows, imagine what God thinks about us who are his sheep. Imagine the amount of love he has. He has so much more love for us than David could even say about those sheep. And you know what? The special thing about this is that God has chosen us even before we came into this place. Even before we came to earth, he chose us and had a plan for us. That is so special. If that's not love, then I honestly have no idea what is. If you could come down and have a redemption plan before this even all happens, before sin comes into the world, if you have a redemption plan for that, that's how much you love someone. That's how much you care. And God wants a relationship with you guys. He wants you to come to him so that he can give you rest, so that he can give you peace, so that he can give you joy and strength that never ends. And the only place you can find it is in him. And so I just want you guys, I want, I want you guys to put it together honestly for the ones who gave their life to Christ tonight. That's very special. I honestly, we, we say this all the time, but this really is the best decision that you've ever made. No looking to the past, just looking to the future for what God has for you guys. So I also wanted to give some announcements to you guys. Connect groups, if you're not already in one, we have some on Sundays, 11.30 is our connect groups. Also, Dad's Day is this Sunday. Are you guys bringing your dads? So, yeah, that's all I have for you guys. I hope you guys have a great rest of your night. Let's go ahead and um, go into the last song of worship. All right, you guys, we got one more song for you tonight. All right, come on, I wanna see every hand together. Here we go.
We'll see you on Sunday morning.